Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. I'm Nick Wilson. We're having another conversation about the Marion Method work and today we're talking about something so dear to I think both of our hearts and I think to lots of people's which is really about freeing ourselves from shame and guilt and other forms of self-judgment that we learn in the DDC which we're going to talk all about and I'm so happy to be talking about it and so wanting and willing for people to to listening if you're listening and you feel shame guilt and other you do other kinds of self-judgment and you'd like to get free of it we'd like to say you really can it really is possible <laughs> right there the ticket to freedom is in this, <laughs> it, it's really it is the ticket to freedom is in this podcast <laughs> I love that. The ticket to freedom. See, I love how you come up with these like little catchphrases that are just like, yes, the ticket to freedom. And it really is now. Yeah. I think it just takes a lot of energy to hit ourselves with those sticks. And the second that you realize that just doesn't need to be the case any, anymore, you have all this freed up energy to do with what you want to do with it. So yeah, it really does take a lot of pressure off in your day-to-day life that you just don't have to listen or feel or take in any of that. Yes, and I love you talking about the sticks. We call those emotional sticks. And the reason why I came up with that originally is because I'd hear people saying, oh, I feel really guilty and I, and listening to the guilt and feeling guilty again, listening to the guilt. I had this little image of just as if there was a child in the two children in the park and one child was hitting the other child with a stick. We wouldn't just keep saying to the child who's being hit, hit oh, sweetheart, that really hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> actually do what was required to support the other child to put down the stick or to stop hitting the child and you know I think that's often if we don't realize and for me for many many years I didn't realize this that guilt and shame and these other forms of self-judgment are just cultural they're not inherent about being human that actually then just listening to those to the feelings or the emotional bruises that come as a result of those sticks is like it's all very well but we can listen to them for a million years and they could, they'll just keep coming back. If we still keep doing that to ourselves, we can feel guilty or we can feel all the time for a million years. And that was my experience before this, where I used to be, I used to pretty much feel either ashamed or guilty or some other kind of discomfort because of all the sticks I was hitting myself with just about all the time. Like really it was anything I said, there would be a follow on of a stick of just all the time, basically it was horrible. And now I very rarely feel I pretty much don't hit myself with guilt sticks or very very rarely and shame even less just very very rare now so I would not believe that was possible to make a shift from all the time to pretty much never (laughs) how amazing is that to know that somebody has actually reached there because I think for a lot of people they just that first part that you spoke about you're just doing it constantly and even not having the awareness that you're doing it, you're just living in this place where you just, and and it affects us so much in the decisions we make and how we show up in the world and choices that we might make or things that we may not do, dreams that we may not follow because the, that conditioning and those thoughts are so strong that they just completely hold us back. So to hear from someone like you who's created this process where you can actually go from one place to another, it's literally like if you're here, which a lot of people are, and maybe they don't even know that they're there, but they're there, you can actually be here. <laughs> Here's the end result. I know. <laughs> and I, I didn't. It works. Yeah. And I wouldn't have not have believed that was possible. I really, if you told me 20, even 20 years ago that I was, this was my inner dialogue now, I'd be like, really? Is that really possible? <laughs> 
let alone 30 years ago. That would have been like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. it was so yeah. known it was such a known sense and I love what well, I don't love it but I really mm, enjoy the way you clarify like the how much it affects us because I remember I just have it, be having conversations and I'd be basically well policing that's an interesting word isn't it be policing what do I say and if I say this what will they think and I just this shame the shame and I shouldn't say that and I shouldn't say that and what will they think and then after I spoke I'd usually then after any conversation they'd be going home with it, picking up the sticks you know what did I you know I didn't say this or why should I say that? and I I don't even remember what the judgments were nowadays I find it hard to actually remember what they were but they would have probably been really harsh like you know I'm so stupid or I'm so I, I can't even remember that what they were but they were harsh and horrible and I was very competent at picking up that stick <laughs> And it's just exhausting, even just the way you just explained it. It just sounds exhausting, doesn't it, for people that they don't even know they're spending that energy in that place. So the thinking that goes into before you say something or before you have a meeting or it might be before you post something, you go through thinking, oh, what if somebody thinks this and what if they judge me in this way or what if they, and then there's all this thinking before and then you you do it under all of this pretense of like, oh, my God, what if this happens? And then you've got this whole aftermath of, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. And you've had the conversation and you're going over the conversation 20 times in your head. And, you know, it's just exhausting to think like that. And, yeah, I just, this whole process was such an eye-opener for me. And I was the same. I used to pick up many, many sticks. And I am yet to be where you are. but I am very much on my way there. I cannot believe some of the things I used to believe about myself or my ability to do things or the way I I showed up in the world. I cannot believe some of the things I used to say to myself and I can see exactly where it came from. Um, And I love knowing that there are, you know, this work is getting bigger and more well-known so that people go, well, no, that's a shame stick and that's a guilt stick and I'm not willing to do that anymore. Or, and you've got other people saying for you, I'm not willing for you to hit yourself with those sticks. I'm not willing for you to say that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just giving everybody so much freedom to be themselves, show up as they want, be not willing to receive any of those things, I think is such a powerful thing, not to only not pick them up yourself, but to be not willing for other people to continue to give them to you. I mean, that's just, you just stand straighter you're just like I'm just that's that's your true power that's where it all is it's incredible wow I love how clearly you describe that so beautiful and do you know what I'm remembering is it did it used to be called or is it maybe still called a shame hangover is that what it's called is it Um, something about a hangover isn't there because there was a post I I wrote a few couple of weeks ago when I'd driven half of my car into a ditch on a hill in the in the dark in the rain in a rain in the middle of a rainforest where there was no reception and I shared a picture of myself on social media it was just like me coming back having cried like really enjoyed crying and raging and screaming and being totally safe my car was fine it's not not looking how I might sometimes choose to present myself on social media, which might be the more flattering pictures and, and sharing about the whole thing that I'd, I'd done this. I'd driven my car into a ditch and I didn't share. I was actually avoiding running over a frog at the time. <laughs> anyway, I woke up the next morning and I, and I, re- I remembered, oh my gosh, years ago, I would have woken up the next morning and I would be 
so consumed with shame. What will people think? And what that picture? And you look so ugly. And why did you say that? You're this will be saying to myself, I'm so stupid. How could I even, how could I do that to my car? And it's on my own fault. And I should have been more careful. I mean, God, I actually am remembering what the dialogue might have been. It was, and instead of, I, I, I noticed it was almost like a shadow of like, oh, yeah, I would have done that. No. No, 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 not when you do that. No, no, don't don't tell any of those things. Just, just compassion for myself and and curiosity about why it happened and and some clarity about that too. And this was almost like a snapshot of like, wow, how different things are, and how. And we're going to talk about the process as we become aware of of these sticks and the effect they have. Is that I would just be consumed with shame. I had no clue that I had any part in that I would just believe that that was a feeling that came just like any other feeling and I would never ever have any choice or power in relation to it at all it was just that I just feel shame I just feel shame oh I feel shame again oh I feel it again (laughs) and then it would it might for some people it might stop them sharing and it might stop them moving forward completely stop them in their tracks to to do those things because they just don't it's such an awful feeling and they just don't want to feel that so yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, especially now in the age of social media, how often it's so easy for people to sit behind their phones and make horrible comments on people's things. It's just complete strangers want to have an opinion on your photo or your life, or especially if you are in the public space and sharing. And I love that I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, lovingness and willingness behind when you did post it so that you just weren't willing for anything like that to happen. And I remember seeing that picture and just the people was, you know, there was just love and compassion, hoping you're okay and, you know, wishing you well. There was just nothing. So it would have all been. No one said, that's not a very enjoyable picture of you. (laughs) Why didn't you you do your hair? (laughs) Yeah. And that's just, it's just proof in the pudding because this was like you weren't willing and there was just love and compassion showered back at you because you just had such love and compassion for yourself in that moment and, you know, people resonating with what you wrote with. So it was just, yeah, it's a beautiful example for sure. Yeah, and what you say about social media because growing up in England, I really saw it in the legacy media is that particularly in England that the the newspapers were so shaming and so full of judgment. And I see even more now I don't live there. It was just like this whole, there's a guy, I've actually forgotten his name, but he calls it Whiteco. I don't know how to pronounce it. W-E-I-T-K-O. And so it was, I think, a name from First Nations people in America. I don't remember which which community of people it was, but they had this sense that there was this kind of consciousness that people would would have. And it it is this consciousness that is, does include the shame and the guilt and all that just horrible, horribleness. And it's so powerful, isn't it? And of course we grow up in these cultures where that's just, it's the soup that we swim in. Nowadays it's social media, it's still, still the legacy media, which is, and, and most of all, it's the disconnected domination culture keeps us in place where it wants to keep us in place through shame and guilt. So anyone starts getting free from the DDC, let's, you know, the, the way the DDC works is let's shame them, let's guilt them, let's try and get them back into the fold again. And it's very powerful because we, we so, it's so painful to receive that. So we want to stay the same and be who we're asked to be rather than actually speak our truth and step out and we so want to belong don't we it's part of our you know and we just want to belong we don't want to be on the outer we don't want to be the other we just want to be 
be ourselves, but also belong. And like you said, it's so controlling and it's so powerful. And without the knowledge of these things that we're talking about through the Marian method, it's it's almost like, well, if you don't know, which a lot of people don't know, and they rely on the fact that it's so subtle, you know, it's in all the schools and it's in the parenting and it's it's everywhere. And it's like you said, in the news, and it's just so subtle that you you think it's part of how we're just supposed to be. And, you know, you keep in line because of that. But once you do start to really see it in all its forms and it's absolutely everywhere it's everywhere you know then you really can make a choice are you going to stay in there and just be completely controlled by that or are you going to free yourself and just choose not to do that anymore and in standing in that side and that power and you start giving that to your kids that's how everything changes because we just we don't need to feel like that it's just as simple as that you can make a choice it's not it might be hard to stand up in a certain situation for example definitely but it's not hard to just make a choice to not do that to yourself internally anymore yes oh and what you said one thinking as well about parenting so both of us are deeply involved in supporting parents and we think about it, anybody who wants to do something different from the mainstream paradigm, which is based on disconnection and domination. So that might be anything from co-sleeping or home birth or whatever. It is. I'm sure you've spoken to many people over the years. Me too. Is like the most common response from anyone else who didn't do that is, is shame and judgment. And basically, again, the, it, if we see it, it's almost like a system. It's like the system going, uh-oh, no, no, we don't want people to break <laughs> out. Somebody, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, everybody. Get somebody in there to shame them. Quickly, go. Yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't that? I mean, that, that is, that's, that on that systemic level, that's what's happening. And that can be really helpful as well to understand as somebody, if you are doing things differently in your parenting or in other areas of your life and, and you're getting lots of shaming or judgment or any of that to can be helpful number one to then not take it personally because actually it isn't a personal thing it's just that on that systemic level the system is trying to keep itself alive and people are trained and internalized when they're growing up that exact process to quick let's shame someone because god we do not want them to think differently or step out of the box or actually change the system it's really, it's almost like on a more physiological level, the body system, something's come to attack it, the white blood cells, whatever it is. Everything, everything comes, doesn't it? The whole system's going, beep, 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 beep. No, we don't want this quick foreign invader. Get rid of it, whatever it is. And our body's constantly working to, to support us. And that's what the DDC is doing. And it does it very effectively. But yeah, it'd be really helpful when we understand that to yeah, not take it so personally, but also realize we can maybe even have compassion for the other people to go you know they they're just repeating their conditioning they they're just part of the, the system working effectively yeah and and I I think that's so that's such a really good example for example the the co-parenting because if you're really strong in your willingness around that and and you know why you're co- sorry co-sleeping co-parenting co-sleeping if you're really sure about your reasons for doing that and you are 100% willing to do that and that's what you think is right for you and your family and then somebody comes along it, the first part of not taking it so personally is easy when you're so strong in that willingness, isn't it? Because you just go, yeah, thank you. I really hear your concern. And this is what we're doing. It doesn't, there's that first thing about being so clear in what you want to to be able to stand in that place. And it, it is hard. Like I think, especially parenting in a different way is something that people love to have a lot of opinions on. And that's very much guided by generational things that are passed down. And it is 
quite difficult sometimes to turn around and go, yeah, that's not what we're doing. Or, And I remember so clearly in my journey, lots of people didn't agree with what I was doing, but from a very loving place. And there was lots of times when I was, I had a very like strong, yep, I know, but this is what I'm doing. And, and then I would go back by myself and I'd be like, oh gosh, am I doing the right thing? And then I would start to shame myself and be like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're right. And really second guess myself. Yeah. Over the years, knowing and being able to decipher that, yes, that's just their opinion. That doesn't mean it's right for me. I don't have to do that just because somebody, you know, and then yeah, the second part, having compassion for them and what they grew up with and what their opinions are based on their own experiences. Yeah. And if you think about it, it makes so much sense as well that it's so core in parenting that there is so much of that kind of thing happening that people do, the judgments come up so much because of course that's where change can happen so much. Like you, that's why we're so passionate about it. Like if you want to change a system, change the way the children get responded to. So of course, again, on that systemic level, the DDC is like, okay, this is a really important, this light is a really big invader here. So we, need to get them. <laughs> we really need to get them. We need to squash this because this is really dangerous for, for us as the DDC. So again, it makes so much sense, isn't it? Why there is so much judgment, so much shaming of parents who do things differently. And, uh, and um, you know, what you said as well, that can be really hard when we're doing something and it is new and perhaps we're the first person who's doing it differently and perhaps we don't really know anybody else. Maybe we've read a book or we know some people online, but perhaps we're the first person in our family or in our friendship group to be doing something differently. And of course, it's really hard then because we haven't possibly maybe quite got that full confidence and reassurance that what we're doing is the really helpful thing. So just I think it's so important to be so much have so much compassion for ourselves whenever we're in that position to go, this is amazing because we're basically standing up to a whole system. Which is huge, isn't it? I I think I always have like, you know, parenting and schooling. They're the two things that just jump out at me where they have to, they have to control really well because that's the space where children are really in there, you know, they free thinkers and they've got lots of creativity and until that gets squashed by the system in some way, shape or form, they're really, you know, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? And they're told, no, you go into that box and you go into, it's just put a lid on it straight away. And that's where I think we have the most power when we change in those areas in parenting and, and schooling, because we just kind of end up raising a bunch of people that go, mm, no, <laughs> that's a no for me. <laughs> exactly. And you know, there's no, no accident. I think in that that story or fable, the emperor's new clothes. It's the ch- it's a child who first of all says, "Isn't it? Hang on, the emperor hasn't. You know that story. The emperor hasn't got any clothes on." I think Maybe it's not. a child that says that first because it's the child who goes, "Hang on, you know, I'm not. I'm yes, I can see everyone's seeing something different because they're conditioned to. I don't see that. Hang on, he's got no clothes on, and they speak it, and they're willing to speak uh, truth yeah. to power basically until, as you say, until they." more and more and more well they basically internalize these same ways of thinking oh there must be something wrong with me because I don't see it the same way or I should think the same as everyone else or if I do speak out I won't fit in anymore I mean that school does an amazing job of helping that happen until they're shamed or judged or criticized in some way then yeah they, they just you know you see it in like kindergarten I remember my daughter was just so like yeah this and this and that and that and by the end of kindergarten she was like oh no I don't think I'm going to you know oh I don't think I'm going to you know like joining things or they just literally <laughs> I don't want to sound like I hate the school system 
they suck the life right out of them in some ways, don't they? Like they just, you know, they're these beautiful light beings and they're so creative and have so many great ways of thinking about it. And then they're told, no, this is how we do it. And this is the order in which we do it. And that's it. And if you don't do it that way, you're wrong. And then times 13 years of that and you go into the workforce and the same thing happens. And by the time you're 40, you're like, well, hang on. <laughs> okay, I need to, something needs to change. Yeah. So hopefully we can get in before all of that starts yes, to happen. <laughs> absolutely. And I so hear you with the, like, the wrong. I mean, that's one of the core ways we hear you're wrong or you should be doing it differently. Enough times we internalize that. We believe it. No, I'm thinking too when you share about school is that my kids who didn't go to school, we'd often... I'd be maybe when they're a bit older, walking down the street, following along behind a group of the young people. And I'd say, you can really tell they don't go to school because they just wear, like they all wear completely different stuff generally. And it's really, it does, it's really unique. Like they're the clothing. There's no kind of that, is that the word homogeneity? It's like there's that free expression. And again, the DC doesn't want that. doesn't want people to be unique human beings with each having their own different perspective whilst also feeling deeply connected. They don't want that. They want everyone to think similarly because that's the way the system works. That's, again, just taking their The whole idea of uniforms in general is just taking their individual individuality away and just, you know, you are the same and you will conform and you will, and I know at my daughter's school, they're very strict on uniform. Like they have big 45-minute meetings on what sort of shoes you shouldn't be wearing and they're not allowed to have this color. And then I'm like, 45 minutes out of six hours, do you think we could do some learning here? Like what else could we be doing while we're outside in the assembly area? Let's pick up sticks. Let's, you know, not pick up sticks. But, you know. <laughs> Let's put down the stick. Yeah, I like that you said <laughs> that. Let's pick up sticks. You know, like I was thinking like play with leaves. Let's look at nature. Yeah. You know? But yeah. they're there sitting in this auditorium listening to a teacher tell them that they're not allowed to have certain shoes with colors on the bottoms of the soles. And I'm like, is it? that what how why what is it so important because the school has to be proud of their you know uniform and you have to wear it proudly and I just I'm just like mind blown nope there's a note for that because we're not doing that like it just blows my mind really how how indoctrinating these little things are you know yes to look more deeply about why that actually might be so there are all these ways, aren't there? So I'm thinking about it, the ways that we learn to internalize these shame and guilt and other self-judgment sticks are through older form, well, older, but newer forms of parenting in terms of like not indigenous uh, school, the media, they're the, the main key ways. And so there's lots and lots, you, you might escape from one, but it's over here, it's coming in this way and it's, it's over there as well. So as children, of course, we're going to, if we hear enough times, all of these things, you should do it differently, or there's something wrong with you for not being able to do that, or you should be ashamed of yourself, or don't ask for what you want, all of the things we Shame. just, do you know what I found, I still found, I found it recently, it's a board game from when I grew up, so I was born in the late 60s, so I grew up in the 70s, and it's a board game of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and everything, and it's snakes and ladders, for every single snakes that you go down it's like it's just like a horrible shame stick pride comes before a fall it's just all of this kind of stuff it's really horrible yeah but it's just it's yeah even just the whole like like the winning losing of games you know yeah yeah and the other thing I'm thinking of as well when my children were young I got 
I really used to love the famous five and uh, Enid Blyton books used to love that. I don't know whether you did as well. And and I, when I was reading them, like as an adult, understanding language and understanding the DDC, and I, I could not believe it was it's just so full of shame. Yes. <laughs> it's just so horrible. Like the faraway tree with the three yeah. children in the house. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I was reading because we've just, finished a couple of months ago reading chapter by chapter at night mm. and I was thinking the same thing I was just thinking like back in the day I just thought it was this but there's just so much in there that is awful like it's really <laughs> awful I can't even remember again what I say but it, isn't it it's just like Franny's a very naughty girl because she yeah. was she was crying she was doing I mean it's just <laughs> mother said stop crying or you won't get a bread roll with dinner that's what I remember <laughs> what is it Fanny Dick and Bessie at the house it was just like yeah and how sad isn't it because I used to that was one of my favorite books The Magic Faraway Tree and I do think she was probably tapping into some kind of ancestral or ancient wisdom you know the tree and the magic and all this so it's got all this lovely magic and again it's the way the DDC works so here's this lovely magic come and come and read these books because they're really lovely and they're about lashings and lashings of ginger beer but, you know, in every page is this insidious inculcation of how what a horrible child you are unless you do exactly what you're told. And, you know, oh, just. Good girls can go here. Bad girls can't go here. <laughs> just, it's just woven through every aspect. And I, I love, I love that I talk so much about good and bad and, you know, just, just that whole idea of it that, you know, my daughter will correct herself so often. she will never use the term good and bad. She will never, and if somebody, if anybody says anything about, even if it's to another child, good behaviour, bad behaviour, um, she'll, she'll say something like, oh, that, what does she say? I can't remember the exact words, but she just, she instantly goes, that's not the person you know, like, or she'll, she won't match it to, she just doesn't even go in her head, good and bad. It's just, it's so amazing. So incredible how she, yeah, thinks. And it, it is just such a, it's so it's, I, I think it's freeing to see her do that. She instantly just clicks off and it just doesn't even go in anywhere. Yeah. And she doesn't even realize that's happening, but I just see it all the time. So I know it can be like stopped in its tracks. And yeah. That's what this this podcast in particular is all about is just, yeah, no, just no, just no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to feel like that anymore. There's, you know, freedom. Yes. And what I love you, you're demonstrating is, you know, that she does go to school and she does see things in, in the media and, and read books with you. And she still knows like, it's like, I love what you're doing with her in that, that I mean, that's the ideal isn't it to still until we've created a whole new post-DC culture is that we do still live in amongst it so how do we live in amongst it whilst also being unwilling to pick up those sticks whilst also supporting our children to really understand that they don't need to do that and disconnect from that isn't it because we, we are in the system we are <laughs> systemites at the moment oh, we're and systemites <laughs> That just came to me. We are, we're systemites. We're like in the system, but we're not of the system. So we, she'll go to school and she can see it all happening and she'll come home and she'll be like, yeah, this happened today, that happened today, but I just thought this and oh, it didn't bother me. And I just go, yay, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> so it is, it's just like a little protective cover and just giving them that awareness around it and speaking about it. And even sometimes me, I know I still pick up sticks and 
she will come to me and whatever I'm saying or I might be crying about something, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. That's generally something that I shouldn't have done that is my one of my, my main ones. And she'll say, no, mummy, it's all fine. You know, you don't need to be upset. You don't need to feel guilty. We're not going to pick up that stick, are we? <laughs> we're not going to pick up that stick, are we? I'm like, well, no, I am, but you're not. She's like, well, when? So it's just, it's so, she just reflects it back. So I, yeah, I stand here as proof that it absolutely works when you are living it yourself and just talking about it and verbalizing it. They just catch on so quickly. And yeah, so amazing. Yeah, they so do. And what I'd love to add as well, for anyone who's new to this work, this is absolutely not spiritual bypassing. So it's not about, um, trying not to feel feelings it's really understanding in the mm work we talk about three types of feelings so uh needs-based feelings or needs feelings thoughts feelings and feelings feelings and all of these ones are thoughts feelings so in other words they're created by ways of thinking they're created by a particular form of consciousness that's in the ddc so with with shame it's more about um a sense of badness in ourselves, whereas uh, guilt is more about the, the sense of what we're doing, there's something wrong with what we're doing or what we haven't done. And uh, the idea being that we may need to hear or be present with our younger parts who did feel shame because we were either being hit with a shame stick by someone else or we'd learned to do that. We may need to, to do that and to listen lovingly to those younger parts. The whole idea is that when we're over time, more more being able to not pick up those sticks so we're actually changing our ways of thinking but we're still this work is so much about really listening to needs feelings because needs feelings tell us about our unmet needs or they tell us about what's going on in our physiology whether that's an allergy or a sensitivity to something or telling us that actually you know that that blue light is not helpful for us whatever it is our bodies are so wise feelings feelings are there to be really heard so that we get to cry and feel all our feelings but thoughts feelings as we were talking about earlier on, it's, it's not helpful just to keep picking up those sticks. It's not helpful to keep imbibing that form of consciousness because we can change that. So I just wanted to share that for not just, I wanted to share that for anyone who doesn't know this work and might be thinking, oh, you're just suppressing. It's not suppressing. It's actually going to the source of that feeling, which is the thought in this case. Also, I think that's really important because you actually can't get to the I'm choosing not to pick that up until it's had a lot of that younger parts had a lot of love and compassion because until it has been acknowledged and heard and loved until it is no longer something that comes up for you, then you don't ever get to that point of not picking it up because you still believe if that, if that process has not happened, you still believe that that's true in a sense, you know, so there is, there is a process in it. Definitely. Yeah, and I think so much of it too is that deep compassion for we, of course, we needed to do this. For many of us, we needed to fit in, to belong, to be safe. There are really important needs that as children and as teens, that if we didn't do that, can you imagine if you, uh, well, no, I'm not going to imagine that because, of course, it is possible now, but if we hadn't had support as children, so I'm thinking differently to you and your daughter, but if we hadn't had support and we'd just gone some teacher was trying to shame us and we just say no I'm not going to I'm not there's nothing wrong with me nothing wrong with me you know that we might have got punished even more I mean we something really horrible might have happened to us so there's so much compassion that of course we needed to believe this we needed to believe it's true we needed to believe that the adults were saying things that were true 
and then the process is learning to then listen to those younger parts and learn to stop picking the sticks up and then to even notice them. I love how when you shared about that in a post to actually then notice, you know, what I generally notice is it's, I can feel myself picking up a stick. I go, ah, oh, look at that. So it's almost like it's coming towards me and I go, no, I am not willing for that. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> It's almost laughable. I see you like almost laugh at yourself going, I'm not going to pick that up. <laughs> it's almost like just a joke now. It is know? like a joke. If someone to say, no, if I had one to pick up, it's like, oh, you know, I'm so stupid. I'd be like, what? <laughs> 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 Are you kidding me? It's, yeah. like, it's like someone saying, yeah, you're a green Martian or I don't know, something <laughs> so ridiculous. The other thing I'd love to say a little bit as well is, and I think you were speaking about this at the beginning, is that when we when we have this kind of inner dialogue, it's also really natural to receive it from others and to be willing to receive it and just to be really hurt by it, but to be keep putting up with it. And that was certainly my experience in my younger years that I was really willing to be talked to in the same kind of words because I believed they were true. I'm like, yes, someone's telling me I'm someone once. I had a, I had a boyfriend who told me I was ugly and stupid and I was like, and I just cried and cried and I was so upset and he would constantly be saying all that stuff and I would cry and cry and cry, but I still put up with it. I still kept being hurt because at some level I was also telling myself I was ugly and stupid. So like, yeah. yeah. Whereas now if, if I was meeting a man, they called me ugly and stupid. I'd be like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's such a journey. It's such a journey. I think it, it's probably in those intimate relationships where this sort of stuff really shows up, isn't it? Like you get a real reflection of all the things that you, whatever, if you dislike something about yourself, it's almost like it's just put there to really go, are you really going to put up with this? Are you really going to continue to do this to yourself? And yeah, I can so see why people do it. You know, they don't want to be alone or they're afraid of being right and then not finding someone else or whatever it is. So it, it really just affects us in every area of our life and that's why this is so important to get out there isn't it because imagine people walking around completely free of this sort of stuff they just would wouldn't have a bar of it would they would not have a bar of anyone saying anything undesirable and you would just walk around with a smile on your face you completely you know your energy is completely light you'd be doing everything you loved and you'd just be living your greatest life ever so you want to get on that gravy train listen to this podcast and do this because it's a really great place to be just us marion <laughs> i'm laughing too and you know what? i'm thinking half the multinational corporations would go out of business straight away because so much of the advertising is based it's it's based on there's something wrong with you and if you buy a new car or you buy this makeup or you eat this food or you drink this alcohol whatever it is then you're going to feel like this person and you're going to have this freedom and you're going to you're going to drop those sticks for five seconds and then you will be everything will be well in your world rather than actually that's no no thanks <laughs> don't want that <laughs> there's, there's so much to it but there is such a you know, pot of gold at the end of that rainbow because it's really, yeah. I even think in the most, in the time since I've known about the Marian Method in some of my most challenging moments, which it was quite a few last year and over the last couple of years, if I had not known about this, I know that those situations would have been 
20,000 times worse and I would not have been able to sustain a lot of, you know, just what I was doing and where I was going and how I was, there just would not have happened because it took so much of those processes and just that inner dialogue and inner love for myself to just go, nope, that's not true. That's not true either. I'm not willing to hear that. I'm not willing to. So it was really, you know, just so important for me that these, just this knowledge, you know, especially over the last couple of years. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. And you, I'm remembering too, that I used to have, there would be more like a, a feeling, feeling or a need feeling. And then on the top of it, I would, I would put a stick on the top. So I would be like, you know, I might be sad or something like that. And then, and then there would be all this judgment on the top, you know, you shouldn't feel sad or don't, you know, it's stupid to feel sad. Or I, again, I can't remember what they were, but I do, I do remember that process that when I started to understand, aha, that these are feelings, feelings, I can feel those, I can be with those, but I'm not willing, and I'm not willing to pick sticks up about myself having these feelings. And I really felt the difference is that when we feel a feeling, feeling with, and we meet it with loving compassion, or we receive that from, from others, it flows and moves. It leaves us. It's designed to do that. Whereas there's this quality of kind of stagnancy about stick feelings because they're just there and they're there and they're there and they're there and they don't move. Like we can, we can, uh, and again, I've experimented with this. We can hit ourselves as a stick every five minutes and keep feeling the feeling and like, oh, I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. I feel so ashamed and doesn't, doesn't move, doesn't flow, doesn't bring us more freedom. It just brings more stuckness and heaviness and mm-hmm. just it's really unenjoyable. I, I would have, I remember at times just spending weeks in those really dark spaces because it was just stick after stick after stick. And you can imagine how people end up with, you know, anxieties and depressions and things like that, because it's just, there's not many people disagreeing with those thoughts in your head, you know, it just, it's all happening a lot of the time, very internally, and you might not be verbalizing it to too many people because you might be afraid that you might receive more back and it just spirals, doesn't it? Into, yeah, some really dark places. So, so important. So important. They're powerful, aren't they? That, that's again, that I, what I, and I've observed about, and I know someone who's still occasionally picks up a stick and I see it's like a, it's it's very immersive when we're if we if we're doing that. I see this person do that, and I just say, oh my gosh, you you're just immersed in this world where it, this you think this is true, and it's just this so painful, so painful, and so different to not be doing that or to be doing it less and less and less over time. Definitely. Mm. <laughs> I love how we do that. How you do it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that seemed like an almost like a natural end, didn't it? It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you'd like to share about it? I'm just imagining the world, like just if this becomes common knowledge and, and you just, well, when it becomes common, I'm not willing for it to be an if, I'm willing for it to be a when it becomes common knowledge that, you know, you can just free yourself from all of this stuff. You don't need, you know. 20 years of therapy and pills and all this sort of stuff. It's just about more love, more love, more love. And the people around you are so loving because they want the best for you and they don't want to shame you because they don't shame themselves anymore. And it just becomes something that just catches on. And, you know, you're just in a place where everybody around you is supporting you no matter what you want to do or if they agree or disagree. And it's just that place of you can absolutely live in your most authentic way because you just are not worried about getting 
shamed or guilted or or judged in any way. You just be who you want to be and show up how you want to show up and everybody's doing that. Imagine like everybody would be so happy and cheering each other on and so encouraging and, you know, we're all different and that's amazing and, yeah, it's, yeah, there's my ideal world. Yes. I love your idea world. I'm joining you in your idea world. So that freedom, the freedom, the lightness of like, oh, and then we've got space now. We've got emotional and energetic space to actually attend to things that need to be attended to because there's a whole lot. Again, as you said at the beginning, it takes up a lot of emotional energy to be picking up those sticks and then feeling the bruises and then picking them up again. I mean, that's, again, why the DDC is so effective because it, yeah, it's, a, it's very distracting from what's my purpose here what, what am i here to do to to help and to co-create a, a beautiful place to live <laughs> and i see it because i see i'm working with people now where i can see that that happens and just slowly over time they just don't do it anymore and they're just in this new place that you know without this work they would not be there they would not be living their dream they would not be you know i'm I see my own journey, how much that has changed and how scared I was to do so many things. So, so scared. And, you know, being told, well, of course you're scared. Of course you should be scared because this can happen and that can happen and this can happen. And, you know, almost just scared into paralysis because you don't want those things. They're totally unenjoyable. Why would I want to do that? But now it's like, why wouldn't I want the other side of the coin? Why wouldn't I want to be insanely happy? Why wouldn't I want to be free of all those things? So... Yeah, yeah. Now I see the other side of it. I love that. I've seen that with with mentees as well, and actually been quite surprised that, especially with guilt, I've seen that I've seen some just get free from it like really quickly. It's really interesting. I find I find it really interesting to see how each person is different in that process of getting free from the sticks. And there've been a few people who've just dropped the guilt stick really quickly in a way that's been life changing for them. And I've been, oh my gosh, that is amazing. I love it. So may it, may it be, I'm so willing for it to be really, really easy for many, many, many people to get free from those sticks. Just a switch. Turn the Just switch a off. switch. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I've read stories about indigenous cultures when colonizers came and uh, the sense of like the, the whole consciousness shifted within like 24, 48 hours from that sense of deep interconnectedness with all things and incredible sensitivity being able to pick up what other people are thinking and feeling and animals and all that and actually the there was a guy anthropologist who observed the process and just literally saw it happen like, literally overnight and I'm imagining the opposite happening <laughs> as we as we go it's almost like waking up from a dream like how could I ever believe those horrible, those emotional sticks from the DDC were ever true about me? I'm a wondrous human being of love and will. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. It's nothing to be ashamed about. And I'm, I'm here as a beautiful soul, just like you are. And so is everyone else. And just this, there's a, a, an awakening, an easy awakening. <laughs> that would be yummy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like magic fairy dust sprinkled all <laughs> over and this is actually you're an amazing human and you just wake up every day going yes I'm an amazing human yeah I love that I'm thinking of the the avatar movie I just saw the first one for the first oh, time ever, then we went to the other one and yeah. you know that part where they're like I see you you know it's I you're completely different he's in an avatar body he's a human in a tank and you know she sees straight through all that so it's like there's no differences it's 
they talk a lot about that interconnect interconnectivity you know, with the trees and the plants and the animals and yeah it's um a much more wonderful place to live than the other place <laughs> yes <sighs> yum well I feel happy willingness <laughs> like oh that's a I think it's like so easy particularly nowadays isn't it to to think about and of course um feel concerned about what things are going on in the world and so I think it's so important to consistently be connected with what do I want and what am I willing for in terms of that bigger picture of human consciousness yes love that day so I didn't mention at the beginning I suddenly realized just assume of course everyone knows Nick but Nick you are a married method mentor a psycho-spiritual mentor and also an aware parenting instructor and you support people to do this stuff. I wonder if you want to share that what, what you offer to support people and what offerings you've got at the minute at the minute at the moment. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this work. I live and breathe this every single day. And I just see so many things happening around me where I can go, oh, that can help there. Oh, that can help there. And I love that I'm able now to connect with people in this space since becoming a Mary Method mentor and just how you know a lot of people come with all of these things and and I I can look at it and I just go like gosh I can't believe you believe that because you're such a wonderful person how and I'm I'm in shock sometimes I'm like how can this amazing person see themselves through such different eyes to what I see them through and so I love I love what this work brings I love what it's done to my life um I love sharing it with people so I offer one-on-one sessions for people to work with, you know, from one month, three months to six months and onwards. Um, I love sharing a lot about how we can support the children doing that. So we've got the Willingness for Children course, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I'm working on something at the moment. Not exactly sure what the title is going to be, but it'll it'll be something in regards to how we can advocate and support our children at school to stand in their yeses and noes as well. And I know that that sounds really scary for a lot of people because they don't want their children to, like you said, stand out or be, you know, separated or get in trouble or any of those things. But I really have found ways where you can absolutely still do that and they can't touch you or your child. Like they literally cannot. So just, yeah, I'd love to, this course, I'd love it. I'd love its main outcome to give parents the permission to go, you can still send your child to school and you can protect them with all these tools and they can stand up for themselves and they can have a wonderful experience if they need to be at school and you don't have to put up with all of these rules and regulations and, you know, you can just... And it's not even about challenging the status quo. It's just about going, that doesn't make sense. So we're going to do it this way. And I think if we put this information out there and give parents enough, we empower parents to say that it's okay to say no if it's something that you really disagree with. Your child might not be enjoying this weekly visit to the garden or whatever it is that they do. They might get a lot of anxiety about it. So your child doesn't have to do that just because they're in that class or there might be a speech coming up. So it's really just about those little individual times that come up at school that are not a fit for you and your family and just ways to support your child to, to listen to their nose and stay connected to it, even though you're functioning in the system. So there'll be lots and lots and lots of Marion method um, bits and pieces in that. And I, I really see that as one way that we can really start to change this from, from young age, you know, as they go out, as they grow older. So they just 
don't have to internalize this stuff. So, yay! <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> oh, I so appreciate what you're what you're doing there. Really, yeah. What what do you call it as well? Sometimes in in the system, but of, not of the system. system. Is that how you call it? Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think you know it would be me personally when I started to know about all of this stuff and just the DDC and how it functions. My first instinct was. I got to get out and I got to get out now. And I was almost in like a desperation because I do not want to live like that. I do not want to raise my child like that. And yet the, the circumstances that I found myself in um, or that I am in currently, you know, I, I can't just, well, like, yeah, uh, I'm not willing yet to pull her out of school and for me to, you know, quit my job and live in the bush and, and all of those things I'm, I need to, you know, I'm happy to find a way I want to be able to function you know, in the in the area that we live, and I want to be able to function in in the system, but just not be subjected to the constant battering, battering that you receive in the system. It's just this constant battering. So, it really is. Yes, we're functioning in the system, but you don't have to be, you know, a prisoner of that system. You really can be free and live your life, no matter where you live, no matter what your job is, or whether your kids go to school or not or whether, you know, you use a doctor or a naturopath, whatever your choices are, you really can be free to make those choices without guilt, without shame, without anybody criticizing you and exactly what you want and how you want it to be. And that you can function anywhere with this work. You just, it's, it's total internal freedom. And when you're really, really truly free inside, nothing on the outside world touches you. You just walk through life like you're the king of, you know, you just, nothing touches you and you're living your greatest life and doing so many amazing things and yet, yeah, still functioning in the system that surrounds you. So, yeah, I want everybody to feel like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yeah, and then, of course, the system does change because it's that powerful experience, isn't it? I've, I experience it so much that as my as my inner dialogue change, what I receive externally is fundamentally different. Hugely. Yeah, so. Yes, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> so your website and social media so people can come and find out more and um, come and see your amazing offerings. Yay. So, yes, the new website's all up and I love it. I'm so happy Yay. with it. Peacefulparenting.com.au. Um, Peaceful Instagram Parenting. Peaceful Parenting and Facebook at PeacefulParenting.com.au. Yeah, I so recommend following Nick. I, I love what you share and particularly at the moment, well, always, but you're just the, the vibrancy and the frequency with which you're sharing. Love it. So, so I recommend people come and come and have a follow. I'm very much enjoying that. <laughs> the moment yay (laughs) and if anyone is interested in terms of looking up more in terms of a course i've got the inner loving presence process course which is all about developing really compassionate inner dialogue with the inner loving mother and inner loving father and other inner loving presences and uh later on this year 2023 i'm going to be creating a some kind of course offering that is really really targeted no I don't like the word targeted is really focused on on freeing ourselves from the sticks so I'm really excited about that and uh, I do have um, a month with Marion offerings as well if anyone wants some immersive support to get free get free we need a honestly a little uh, there's no jingle on the beginning and end of this where we can always have one that's like I'm gonna create one we're free, free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
to do what we oh, want to do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's available to anyone and everyone at any level of whatever you believe or you don't, if you just don't want to do this anymore, it's there for you, isn't it? Mm, so is. You can get free. And we're here to support you with that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Nick. I love our conversations and I look forward to connecting again next time. Thank you, Marion.